And we live. We're live. This is the first live show, and uh, well, me and Ryan Gregno, I pronounced the last name right. Yeah. And uh, six pack lap of that, brought to you by PowerliftingMotivation.com, and um, we're gonna call up Steffi Cohen. This is a good first one. <laughs> yeah. She's hot in the game right now. This is as big as it gets right now. Yeah. I... So we'll, we'll start it off. Uh, we got some questions from everybody. Can't super read what you guys are writing, but uh, shoot it every now and then if you want to pop up there if you yeah. got any good questions. And obviously ignore the trolls. We got a lot of marriage proposals for some reason. For Steffi Cohen. Well, one of them was from you though. That's. <laughs> you trying to get me in trouble? Okay, let's see what she's saying. <laughs> Every time. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I hear you. Steffi, I hear you. You there? What's up? Hey, how's it going? I think our video's not kicked in yet. Can you see okay. me? No, I don't see you, but I'm actually like five minutes away from a Wi Fi spot at home. Oh, but okay. I think I have to get started now. I see you now. There, I see you too. Okay, so should we, should we wait? Are you driving right now? I'm not driving, Kate is driving. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> I was going to say, wow, we can wait. If it's, uh, we don't got to necessarily do it right. Okay, so I'll okay. click it. Should we start now or should we wait five minutes, do you think? Um, I'm like five minutes away. We can like chat a little bit and then when I get home, I'll let you know. Works for me. Works, works for me. Okay, so we're already live on uh, the King of Lifts. So we got, I guess we'll just start right off the bat. Um, anybody who's been following powerlifting, uh, knows the step of cone is unless you live in a, in a cave a somewhere rock. under a rock, yeah. whatever, just woke up out of a coma. <laughs> um, but uh, so, Steph, you can see and hear me. Uh, Ryan's on the other side, and I'll be looking at you on a big monitor. If it looks like I'm not looking at you, I'll just be looking at the monitor, okay? Okay, cool. Okay, so right off the bat, we'll do a little bit of background because everybody knows, like, it feels like, like your star has risen so quickly, you know, um, breaking all these records in the 123 class. Um, breaking into the 500 pound deadlift range and everybody's super excited like where could the limits possibly be right it reminds me a lot of like um, the way people are talking about you right now is kind of like they were talking about Ray when he's hunting down that thir uh, thousand pound squat yeah. and it just makes people excited because everybody's like what is the possible limits and you're doing weight particularly in a deadlift but all your lifts are solid with that deadlift you know, everybody's getting excited. You got dudes who are like 250 pound men, you know, who are just like, I can't wait to see what she's going to be pulling next. And it's got everybody excited. Um, so it's kind of like we want to back it up a second and get a little bit of background on this latest powerlifting's latest star, Steffi Cohen. So where, where were um, you born? Where are you from? Um, well, uh, I'm originally from Venezuela. I live in Miami, Florida. I've been living there for about seven years and... Right now, I'm doing a clinical rotation for school, so I'm in, I'm in physical therapy school in my third year, about to graduate, and now I'm doing a rotation here in Chicago. So it's an eight-week-long rotation. I have about three weeks left of just enjoying this wonderful weather here in Chicago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, we're from Toronto, so we feel your pain. Chicago gets brutal, too, in terms of this time of year. 
Yeah, no, especially if you're used to Venezuela. Now, how old, how old are you right now? If you don't mind me I'm asking. 25. 25? Okay. And how old were you when you came over for Venezuela? I think I just turned 18. Wowzers. Okay, so you've been here seven years. So you lived most of your life in Venezuela. Most of my life, yep. So growing up in Venezuela, obviously that's a huge difference then. So um, to bring us back a little bit in terms of growing up in Venezuela and a little bit of difference for a lot of people who don't know. I mean, I've, I've been in Venezuela once um, on vacation. Really? But yeah, but it wasn't, it wasn't like, you know where Margarita Island is? Yeah. This is, so that's where I was at like a resort. I can't really, like I didn't soak up the Venezuelan uh, culture, you know what I mean? I'm no uh, sorry, expert on it. But for some people who don't know, uh, so tell us a little bit about Venezuela. For some people who don't know what it's like there, a little bit of a difference between North American culture. Right. Yeah. There's a lot to be said as far as uh, you know cultural differences from that go between Venezuela and and the United States and Canada. Um, I would say you know the main one. Well, as far as just like growing up there, just what you do on a day to day basis is like it's very different. Like, for example, simple things like taking buses or public transportation, those things don't really don't really exist, especially if you're middle up middle class, upper middle class, it's very dangerous to take public transportation. So really? you would be confined much yeah, you'd be confined to your your house and maybe like your um, community center or or where whatever you had a membership to that was pretty much like what you did. Um, you have things like cooks and drivers and maids because labor used to be so cheap so it was just something that everyone had like pretty common so you had so wow this is like almost like a bit of a clashing of worlds so you had cooks and maids and etc but you at the flip side you couldn't you couldn't leave your house because it was so dangerous outside no exactly. yeah it's very dangerous yeah, stuff like walking outside you can't really walk outside and take the bus or simple things like that Holy very, very different. Yeah, to say the to say the least. You just leaving your car right now? Getting into your spot? Yeah, I know. I'm about to walk in my place. Okay. So, yeah. We're getting an impromptu tour of Stephen Cohen's house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. We actually we're Airbnb right here and we got a pretty sweet deal. It's like a a basement in someone else's house. So here's that shit. Okay. <laughs> and there's a famous dog that we see all the time in your Instagram stories. You brought him, eh? Of course, I don't leave him anywhere. I love him so much. That's like so, my girl. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, so talking about Venezuela a little bit. Um, so yeah, so for us that are used to, so did you guys have like a big house? Was it because you're well off in Venezuela, or is this just like normal Venezuelan culture where everybody had this kind of help around the house? Um. What do you mean? Well, like, to have a, for me, picturing it, when I picture, like, having, like, maids and cooks, I picture, like, like the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. You know that TV show? <laughs> Is it like that? Okay. It's like that's, honestly, in North America, that's what you picture when you think about that, right? Would be, like... <laughs> yeah, it's pretty common. Big-ish houses. Um, yeah, everything's kind of, like, done for you. Oh, my God, that's <laughs> Holy shit. You should put on my faces right now. Hold on a second. Look at this. Wow, <laughs> Oh, no. Somebody went to town in there. Yeah. That's extra. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's, I wanted to actually touch up on uh, the difference in terms of, like, 
playing sports in Venezuela versus yeah. here? Yeah. That, like what you imagine that being a professional athlete in Venezuela would be like. So I played soccer for the national team uh, for five years. And I mean, it's crazy. You know, we, we, I didn't know any better, obviously, back there, but we never went to a gym. So things that most professional athletes would do, like going to a gym, squatting, deadlifting, cleaning, whatever, that didn't really exist. We didn't have access to any sort of facility. We trained in our soccer field was inside of a military base. Holy smokes. Um, I don't know if y'all watching. Yeah. But um, that's not the only thing we had access to. It was a dirt field. The goals had no nets. We didn't really have a gym. We didn't have, like, specialty coaches or anything like that. My coach yeah. was, like, this old man. <laughs> I have no idea what his credentials were. You know, he did have, like, he was a janitor. Yeah. He cleaned up. He, he wasn't yeah, quite no, certified. <laughs> no, no credentials. No, like, really real education or any of that. He just kind of put together the team and told us what to do. And you guys, like, so you guys were professionals. Did you tour around Venezuela or even beyond? Yeah, we toured from Venezuela a lot, and this was the most interesting part. So, um, me being from the middle, upper class, um, it was very uncommon for for people from my school or the schools around my area to even be involved with like national level sports because I'm because I'm telling you, it's like very like very low level. Yeah. So, you know, these girls used to live in in projects and things like that. They were really dependent on the money they made from, what were we getting paid? I think it was something like $50 a month. Holy smokes. And this was yeah. like, you could live off stuff like that? You know, back there, no, you can't really live off of that night. That would, you know, you'd be really mm -hmm. struggling. Really, mm -hmm. really struggling. Mm -hmm. It'd just but be kind of like excess money for the other girls to send back home kind of thing? Because you, you, you would have been, she would have been a teenager. Yeah. yeah. Uh, 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 uh. That was like yeah. Well, I was lucky I had to support my parents, but none of the other girls did. So it was an interesting experience uh, to be able to just tour around the country and and just stay in these very poor parts of the country that were extremely dangerous. That were never gonna have just it wasn't because I wasn't the team. You know, we used to tour the country in this red bus, red color of the government. I don't know why it happened time. So we just kind of just met with the U.S. like, let's go to Dallas. And I was obviously not a, a supporter of but I had to pretend I was. So what's the story? Because you're breaking up a little bit. You had to pretend you're a supporter of what, sorry? Uh, Chavez. It was the, the, the current president. Oh, right. Uh, He's a dictator. Yeah. Oh, yeah. wowzers. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. So you know what? I mean, I'm, I'm sure some people watching didn't know that either. So... Is Venezuela, so you grew up under a, a dictatorship in Venezuela? So it was, they didn't call it a dictatorship, they called it socialism, but okay. I mean, it was definitely a dictatorship, <laughs> and yeah, what? he pretty much controls everything, he would, he would take properties away from people, he would, you know, turn the lights on and off, like neighborhood-wise, whenever he felt like it, just things like that, expropriations, I don't know. All sorts of crazy things. Wow, this is a totally different. So he had obviously total control of your everyday life and media and whatnot. So would you? How would you be able to leave Venezuela? In terms of like actually leaving Venezuela and moving from Venezuela.
You got a bit of an internet connection there. Issue. How is your? Are you on the Wi-Fi over there? Yeah. So I was okay. very lucky because I had had a pretty, you know, I had. Um, yeah, definitely on Wi-Fi. You know what? One sec here. We're gonna. Um, let me see here. I'm gonna uh, possibly, if I turn off video, see if my Wi-Fi works out a little better. Hey, hey, hey. Oh, um. Yeah. You know what? Should I turn my camera? Ah, uh, you know what? Let me see. I'm gonna click on the call connection here. Connection's very slow. You just all of a sudden got a lot better. Yeah. Okay, man. For some reason. Okay. We'll get to do on like that. Okay. So, um, yeah, so it was, a, it was a dictatorship growing up. So how did you end up leaving uh, Venezuela? Right. So I was lucky because I, I took a lot of English classes for my whole life. So I spoke English. That was one thing. I had a really good education and I also played soccer. So those three things together were powerful enough to allow me to, to apply to good schools in the U.S. and for potential scholarships. Mm -hmm. So... I had to film this video of me playing soccer and saying, uh, talking a little bit about why I wanted to move to the States. It's actually on YouTube. Oh, I, I don't even want to tell you guys like what, what it's called. Oh, I'm so looking for it. I'm like 15 years old and I'm talking about how I want to, you know, go to the States and be an engineer or something. <laughs> or something crazy Did you like really that. want to be an engineer? You're just saying whatever you thought you had to. I thought I wanted to be an engineer. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're 15. But, so yeah, so I, I applied for a few scholarships. I got replies from a couple places. I ended up going to San Diego, actually, with a potential uh, opportunity for a soccer scholarship there. So I played there uh, for the team for about four months. Mm -hmm. um, nothing really set in stone. Like, it was just kind of like they were letting me try out for the team for a season. And um, I ended, it ended up being really difficult for me to adjust, especially to a culture, a changing culture, being... 18 and just in a new country away from my family that kind of yeah. stuff was really tough for me and trying to balance playing d1 soccer with having to take tests and study in a new language so that's a I huge culture shock yeah 18 year old girl by yourself leaving your family you got no did you have any family waiting for you in the u.s no 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 holy <laughs> smokes so i mean things as simple as to give you an example the first time I had to do laundry, you know, my laundry kept piling up, piling up, piling up, piling yeah. up. Yeah. And then I called my mom and I'm like, Mom, what the hell? Do I, <laughs> I don't have any clean on your work. Should I just go buy more? Like, what? Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. Like, just, you know, you should take it to the washer and wash it. <laughs> it's well, that's yeah, that's an easy fix. I feel like, though, like, um, how well was your English at the time? Did you guys speak? You guys spoke enough English anyways to get by or... No, I, I was fluent enough to study, okay. like to, to be in school. That's good. But but it was still difficult. Like there's many words I didn't understand. It was hard for me to take tests in English, that kind of stuff. Especially when you're an eighteen year old girl, there's slang. That like I don't man, I'm a thirty eight year old dude and I don't even know what the hell yeah. the kids are saying. Right? So I still you. so so much to slang. Yeah. Slang and sarcasm are the two things that uh, you know, yes. I like yeah. Smile and nod. That's what I, I still do that, man. I still got you. You also also something interesting uh, that you had brought up before. Sometime in your childhood, um, and I don't know exactly full extent, you've been introduced to Scientology. And a lot of people don't yeah. know that. Now, first question: Do you know Tom Cruise? Do you know 
Who said yeah? Encourage. <laughs> <laughs> we carpool. We carpool. Don't get it. Um, yeah, so my dad used to be a huge Scientologist. So I'm, I'm Venezuelan, I'm also a Jew, and then my dad was a Scientologist. So wow. that was that break his beliefs. He's also a Jew, but he's a Moroccan Jew, whatever. So okay. he used, he's super into Scientology, and the way that Scientology works is you're kind of like forced to, to like start these courses. It's like a, they hold you against your will, and that that's very well known, that that's yeah. what they do. Yeah. I think the first time, the first course I ever took, I was maybe, maybe like 11 or 12. So I didn't really understand what was going on. But what would happen was that I would go there. I would like, you know, put in my two, three, four hours of studying. And then, you know, I would want to go home and I would ask to call my, my parents to get picked up. And they wouldn't even let me use my phone. Like they would hold my phone hostage and they wouldn't even let me communicate with my parents for the whole day. Whoa. This is, so this is at like a, so were you going to a church on a Sunday or is this straight up, you got dropped off and this is throughout like your week? This is like almost like your schooling? Because two, three hours sounds like a long time to be yeah, studying. I, I usually just did it during the summers. So when I didn't have uh, my regular school, I would do it like every day or every other day I would go. Oh, wow, that's intense. That, but, right. Wow. I don't know, really strange, strange, strange things. The thing with Scientology is that the first few courses you take are actually very helpful. Like, you know, the first one was called uh, Learning How to Learn. Mm -hmm. The second one was called Communication Tools for more, more Efficient Communication or something like that along those lines. The third one was also useful. I forgot the name of it. But, you know, very, like, good tools to have, especially yeah. for someone who's 11, 12 years old. Like, I was ahead of the game by studying those things. Yeah. But um, then you kind of, like, get into this this cycle of, okay, you know, they offered me these three courses that were very helpful. Let's see what the fourth one is like. And it just kind of, like, gets progressively and progressively weirder and weirder and stranger and stranger. Yeah. It just, like, drag you in until you can't leave. Whoa, serious. And you're... Kind of, like, what it is. And the thing is, as a 12-year-old as a girl, if your dad is in, you're not, like, what are you going to do? You're not getting out. Like, it'd be different if you were a 22-year-old woman. Yeah, I mean, even then, I mean, I've, I don't know if some people have seen documentaries. It's difficult. Like, it's, it's literally, like, for adults to leave. I don't know how real this is. I, maybe, I don't know if you've had experiences, but would they have somewhat confessionals where you start yeah. open talking, and then when you try to leave, they have so much about you. It's not a clean break, you know, it's... Yeah, they manipulate you. Yeah, they do this, like, confession things, they call it with an emitter, where they, you have to, like, hold on to this, like, two metal cans and and a needle, like, yeah. it goes back and forth, you read it, they, and you're telling truth or not, they really, really weird. But yeah, basically, one of those, like, <clears throat> after a few weeks, I was like, fuck this shit, I was maybe 13, and I just refused to go in. Like, there was just no way, no way you could even, like, put me inside of that classroom again. Yeah, like and I'm your dad good on the floor. Like I'm not not fucking moving. I'm like staying here. This is fucked up. And what did your dad say? He's like, cool. Your dad said that was fine. He was very disappointed. Very you know, disappointed. He said I was embarrassing him and all these things. But I was like, you know, I respect it. That's what you want to do, but yeah. I can't. Like it's too much. It's crazy. And he eventually snapped out of it too. Obviously, no kidding. years later. Yeah. What took me years took him a few more. Yeah, but he ended he up. If I was your dad, I would have been like, that's a shame. 
Because, you know, the word was Tom Cruise was coming by this week. And now you know, he's keep Daniel on that carrot. Tom, Tom, Tommy Seer might be coming by. I don't know. I don't know. That's the word. Uh, you know what? We don't talk as much as we used to, but I think he is. I heard Tom Cruise, Will Smith, and um, actually uh, Jerry Seinfeld. Now, this is turning into a gossip session right now, but I think Jerry Seinfeld. You know Jerry Seinfeld? I have no idea. Yeah? You can't confirm or deny? I cannot confirm. Yeah. Jerry Seinfeld. Is that what you're saying? I think or so. I swear to God, yeah. I, think, I swear to God, I read that somewhere. I think I, I don't know. Are you back in now? Did I just, did I just talk you back into it? <laughs> you don't want to change everything. <laughs> no kidding. So uh, so how did you end up? So you came picking back up where we left off. Come to uh, the U.S. Um, and you're, you're like you're having a hard time adapting. How did when did you end up? Start weightlifting because right now you're already 18. Mm -hmm. So what? How do? Where did you end up lifting weights and start getting into that? Okay, so yeah, I got to the states. Eventually, stopped playing soccer. I was just playing like recreational, maybe a few pickup games a week kind of thing. But I don't know. I'm such a competitive person. I I really enjoy like that's one of the things that I enjoy most in life, kind of competition and, and having. As a defined goal and something that I can work toward. Yeah. They're really missed, especially the competitive aspect of sports. So I just started trying out a bunch of different things. I, I was in kickboxing classes. I started doing, started running half marathons. I started trying to swim, those kind of things. Just to try to see what I was good at. Something yeah. that I could have, even like a little bit of talent that I yeah. could compete at higher level or win some stuff. I don't know. So eventually, I sticked. I started sticking with uh, half marathons. I ended up running like eight in a year. I'm very obsessive like that. I just kind of wow, yeah, you you're the all in type. Yeah, all in. All yeah. So I ran eight half marathons. I was never really good. I think my best time ever was one thirty eight, which I mean for training. I think I trained for what like a year and a half, and I got down to out one thirty eight half marathon with it. Some, somewhere around a seven ten pace per mile. Is that good? Seven, seven minutes. Seven <laughs> minutes per mile for thirteen miles. That sounds like good. We're powerlifters, so that yeah. sounds amazing for me. Well, the five minute mile is a big deal. Yeah, no, it's right. Yeah. So right. over the pace of thirteen. Yeah, I'd say yeah, that's pretty yeah, solid. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you're talking. Right. All right. Gotcha. So it was definitely wasn't. I was I was always like like top ten in my category, but obviously not I mean not great to go to the Olympics or anything like that. But so then I do CrossFit. CrossFit was kind of like the the new trendy thing to do. I really really liked it, but to be good at CrossFit, you have to be good at so many other things. It's not just endurance, which I was really good at back then. Yeah. But I needed to know how to do Olympic weightlifting and to do how to do gymnastics. How to do? How, you have to be strong to a certain level. You have to have all these different skills, and I yeah. didn't have the time. I wasn't called full time kind of thing, so I also had a job. So it was difficult for me to get good at all these things. So I said, you know, what if I focus on one thing at a time? Maybe one one time, one day I can compete mm -hmm. more seriously in CrossFit. Yeah. So I started doing weightlifting. That was kind of the gateway. Yeah. Olympic weightlifting. I found myself a coach. Started doing Olympic weightlifting. Ditched CrossFit. Found out that I could be really good at weightlifting. Then I found Hayden. Who did powerlifting and Olympic weightlifting together, and that's so kind of where know, I'm at right now. You know, it's interesting that you said you found powerlifting lack because we were in the gym the other day, me and Ryan, and you just said, "Thank God CrossFit has too many events 
and isn't specialized yeah. enough. Because how many people start off and like, man, I got a job, I can do a couple of yeah. events, okay, but not enough to be competitive. You start messing around some squats or whatever, and you're like, if I can just focus on one, I wonder what I could do. Yeah. And it's a lot easier to qualify yes. too. Like in terms of showing up at an event and being like, I don't know what's going to get thrown my way. If you know, like you said, um, goal driven. How many people we talk to on this show? Yeah. And they're like, they want to chase goals. So you have those round numbers, like the 500 deadlift. and stuff that you chase, a goal with a numeric value is a lot more exciting than just random, what's the workout today? I don't know. Till we get tired. Till we barf. <laughs> so and how did you find that? You were just saying, too, before we came on, um, so your boyfriend's actually Canadian. And it looks like your other partner um, in this business is also Canadian. So how did you end up? Meeting him in terms of uh, moving into the weightlifting, and was it in Canada or was he down there? Um, well, you want the true story? Or was it? Give us, <laughs> give, give us the cute meat. They call that the cute <laughs> meat in Hollywood. You guys develop. The, the true story, Hayden totally slid into my DMs. Whoa! Look at you just gave hope. To, you just gave hope to so many guys right now. Like, yo, that works. <laughs> like I slide into DMs. No yeah. kidding. So, uh, I was selling weightlifting singlets uh, a few years ago. Uh, this was actually a really, really good business. Think about this. So okay. I had a guy in Venezuela yeah. who made this singlet for me, and I paid him two dollars per singlet. Yeah, two. <laughs> yeah, that's not it. Yeah, that's crazy. Okay. And I sold them here for eighty-five. Whoa! Wow! Right? Whoa, Marco! Like entrepreneur. Yeah, You're an entrepreneur. You gotta get yourself like a gang of thirteen-year-olds to make these for you. You got something. Then you gotta send us that guy's number. That's right. <laughs> No kidding! You want? That's awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I I was selling uh, weightlifting singlets, and Hayden sent me a direct message. He says that he was pretending that he was interested in the singlets, but that he was really interested in talking to me. That's uh, yeah. No, I I know all about that kind of. Yeah. Come in, come in with a, a a different story, the old switching bait. I got you. And then, so yeah, was he still so, in Canada at the time? Sorry. Was was he was Hayden still in Canada at the time, or where was he located? So he he was in Miami for a competition, gotcha. a competition that we both doing. And he messaged me. He was actually training at the gym I go I used to go to, and so he he was just like, hey, I, I'm training at your same gym. Like, you want to get a workout in? I said yes, and then the rest is history. You're like, all right, you're lucky I've been taking some kickboxing. I feel comfortable meeting you. <laughs> Things go sour. Don't get funny, huh? So you guys started, so he was kind yeah, of your... Yeah, I'm not scared That's right, yeah, that's right, yeah, exactly, you, you've been in worse situations. Yeah, I so, come from the jungle, you never know what you're going to That's get. right, that's, he's the one who needed backup, he's the one who had to tell people where he's going. Um, so you met him, and you started getting into uh, strength training, and he, I guess he kind of introduced you into the power lifts or Olympic lifting, and you guys progressed from there, or...? Yeah, he... I remember it was this one occasion where I was doing my, my weightlifting workouts, some snatch, clean jerks, some, some regular uh, clean pulls, and he was like, hey, you should, do you want to try a sumo deadlift? And I was like, oh, sure, I mean, why not? Oh, actually, no, I wasn't like that. I was really skeptical to do it. I'm like, I'm going to mess up my whole weightlifting program. Like, why? <laughs> the irony. Yeah. If only you knew, if only you knew what this was going to do, the door that was about to open, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like, I did not want to do it, but he eventually talked me into it, and I ended up pulling something, like, my best conventional pull back then was what maybe like 230 pounds or something like that, 240, yeah. and I pulled that day 300 pounds. Like, right off the bat? Yeah. So Not a bad like, start. Oh, 
know, that's that's not bad. I'm kind of kind of good at that. It felt really easy. It felt like natural, and you yeah. know, maybe I should do this more often. Yeah. Little by little, another coming out of bench, and then I slowly started fading in the fading out the the weightlifting portions of my workout and started. Oops, sorry. And started putting in more more powerlifting. So what about, what was your first meet then, when you first started doing your first powerlifting meet? It was an APA, Hayden, it wasn't an APA meet, Bobby, uh, APA, right? Uh, what's that, American Powerlifting Association, what is that? I think it's a WPC. Whatever. Yep. American's version of WPC, I think, no? Or maybe I'm off. I believe so. I'm not sure. I uh, no, it's small, it's a small fed, it's based out of Florida, yeah, and right? How long ago was that? Well, uh, my first powerlifting meet, uh, two years ago. What? <laughs> two <laughs> years ago? <laughs> what the shit? So when I said you came out of nowhere like a hot rising star here, like a meteoric rise, yeah, two freaking years. Because honestly, yeah. you know, not, not to go like tooting your horn too much here, we got you on already, so I'll, but... Seriously, it seems like everybody's like you. When I told you we had Stephanie Cohen on, you're like, she's that's the it girl right now, powerlifting. Yeah. And the fact that you came in in like two freaking years is nuts to me. And you were really heavily weightlifting. Yeah. So, so in your first meet, just to get a barometer, so you pulled 300, and then how quickly are we talking like 300 pounds was like two years ago or a little before two years ago? You're 300 pounds? Yeah. Yeah, but I, I think my de my first meet I pulled, you know, what did I pull? Three, 370 I pulled in my first meet. Wow, this? 375, yeah. So, because, I mean, here's the exciting part about um, watching your progress right now. I can tell for myself. So we do, obviously, tons of reposts. And it's, I swear to God, it feels like every single week you are just smashing PRs. And, and it's, it's like you're never coming down in terms of your PR movement. And it kind of reminds me of um, <clears throat> when, like, when Conor, Conor McGregor, he kind of came out of nowhere, okay? I don't know if you're a UFC person, but um, Conor yeah, McGregor... Are you okay? Sweet. Okay. Well, everyone knows Conor McGregor, but... So okay. he, he wins a world championship, and then all of a sudden, as soon as he wins, he's like, I want to title one weight class up, I want to title another weight class up, and people just get all excited. There's something about that person that everyone's like, do you think he can? And then yeah. all of a sudden, where everyone's like, that sounds silly... Everyone's like, well, fuck, I don't know now. The way the, the momentum's going, you almost believe this person could do almost anything. So then when you start pulling, like, into the 500s for multiple reps, and we just threw up there, like, what do you think? Not, not like, right away, but down the road, Steffi Cohen's going to be pulling 600? And that's crazy. That's insane at your body weight. People are like, I wouldn't fucking doubt it. Like, you, you got that kind of momentum. Or like, yeah. maybe not right now, but, like, you got that kind of, you know, people excited. You know, which is yeah. kind of exciting to see. Well, and the training attitude you have, right? It's like, okay, so I did a meet last, was that Sunday? Record breakers. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to walk into my buddies and then, you know, just let's it do did, it again. Did then, right. Let's do it again. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it all over again this weekend. Yeah. You know, most yeah. people, like, take a week off, relax, kind of chill. No, Stephanie's yeah, yeah. back in there. Boom, we're going to do it again. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's coming off the floor, whether you like it or not. Yeah, like, how do you... So basically, do you have a favorite lift, the pet lift? Like, is it your deadlift? Because I know some people are amazing at the deadlift, and it's not even the favorite lift. It's actually a tough one for them in terms of training-wise. Oh, uh, no, I definitely enjoy the deadlift the most. It's just, I don't know how to explain it. It's kind of effortless. Wow. <laughs> I believe you. It feels like it's effortless. It, it looks that way, too. It just feels like I can lift with my mind, almost. Yeah, and how does your training kind of structure? Because... 
Um, like looking at, so we did a little research walking into this and looking at your guys' company, it looks like you have, your motto is, look like a bodybuilder and seeing you and your man, your man's pieced up too, man. Your man's bodied up like a mofo. Um, so check, you guys look like bodybuilders, strong like a powerlifter. You and your mans are strong like powerlifters. And expl is it explosive like a weightlifter? Move like a weightlifter. Well, close. Move like a weightlifter, right? Fast. So, so what kind of all encompasses your guys, your guys' training programs? Well, hold on, Hayden. Can you can you get a hold of that guy? He's like about to pull everything down onto him. Your dog. He's like a dog. Yeah, he's a fucking. He's seven months, so he's at that stage, teenager stage, where he's just like fucking everything up. Oh, he's partying. He knows months distracted. Yeah, hold on one second. Okay, I'm back. Yeah, what was your question? Yeah, uh, so, we were just talking about like uh, your guys' program uh, training out. You know, the unique powerlifting, weightlifting, and then also, because you guys do, I read up a little bit, in terms of like kettlebell swings, in terms of like doing like bodybuilding exercises, and then also the power lifts. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, well, Hybrid offers like nine different types of programs, but our most popular one is called Hybrid Performance, and basically it's, it's a combination of Olympic weightlifting, powerlifting and bodybuilding or mm -hmm. functional bodybuilding, whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's all centered around improving strength. So you'll see, we use the squat bench and deadlift as the main lifts mm -hmm. and as clean again, bodybuilding as accessories, essentially. And yeah, we like to use a lot of stuff like heavy farmer carries, top bar carries, turkey get-ups, flat racks, flat pushes, that kind of stuff to keep it more quote-unquote functional. Yeah, and you know, it's interesting because like back in the day, I mean, we're talking 10 years ago, there was like, everyone looked at powerlifters as though they're like unathletic, um, usually chubby, and like, and it's like nowadays, everybody's much more to, everyone's like bodied up, six packs, watching their macros. Do you count macros, by the way? Yeah, I do. Oh, you do? No kidding. Okay, team macro counting over here as well. Um, so counting macros really onto their nutrition and um, adding on these other things like farmers carries and whatnot. Do you feel like being more athletic helps you be a better powerlifter? Or do you just like it yeah, all around anyways? A 100%, like in terms of, especially in terms of uh, injury prevention. Mm -hmm. So, you know, being a, a well-rounded athlete has a lot of benefits just to, you know, keep your body healthy and avoid kind of chronic overuse injuries. Hold on one second. Hey, can you like shut that up? I'm like so distracted right now. This is really, really difficult. And I have ABD. So no, no. Like, I'm like using my train of thought. What were we talking about just now? Uh, you were just talking about your, your training methods and whatnot and how you incorporate yeah, Why do I think that like um, like doing uh, all these other types of movements? Yeah, yeah. For injury prevention, etc. No, yeah, no but jamming. being more, more, more well-rounded and stuff. But the main thing is like, you know, you can do all these. You should be doing all of these things. Probably not around your you know around your competition but you should have fairly well delineated on and off seasons like mm -hmm. there is a time and a place for all of this you mm -hmm. know people think of course i'm not gonna be fucking pulling a 500 pound sled three days before i meet of yeah. course i'm not gonna do that or a week or two weeks like i'm gonna probably be a lot more focused and specialized for whatever meet i'm competing in yeah but I mean, I don't have anything going on until May, pretty much, the U.S. Open. So I'm actually going to go back to Miami, and I'm going to play some soccer. And I'm going to have fun with uh, some tactical training. I don't know. Do you know who Real World Tactical is? Tony? Uh, 
I don't think so. Do you know? I've seen a lot of his videos. Have you? Okay. He's, it's insane. Uh, it's insane shit. Like really close to ours, so I'm going to go train with Tony, have some fun, I'm going to do some CrossFit maybe, you know, and that's really good because, one, you come back to training very, very fresh. Yeah. Mentally. Yes. Amen. I've been there. But you come to, you come back to, to your competition prep very fresh, and your your aerobic capacities increase. So your ability to do multiple sets, multiple reps at very high intensities is a lot better than someone who either a took time off, which I think is total bullshit, and it's such a stupid thing to do. I'll explain to you why. Okay. Or or someone who just burnt themselves down or up trying to still be competition prep all year round, 365 days. Like every single sport has an on and off season. Yeah. We as there should too. You know what, so I'm glad you hit up on that, because oftentimes, um, you know, we can ask about, like, the scheduling that you would recommend, but, yeah, you have some people who try to, all the way through, just try to be, like, constantly peaking, it seems like, and, yeah, you can either burn out, or the opposite, they take themselves completely out of the game, where you're, yeah. I guess you're saying, just exactly. switch it up a little bit, you know, exactly. you're still training, but switch it up. Exactly, every single athlete, professional athlete, does it that way. Mm -hmm. What would you recommend in terms of off-season, what does yours kind of look like that you like to to use? Like, how how many times is a, is a meat prep for yourself? Um, I usually, I like to do eight-week-long meat preps. I think it's, like, the perfect amount, amount of time, assuming that I've been training prior to that. So, yeah. to give you an example, last year, I, I took a trip to Japan, and accidentally, we, that wasn't planned. We thought that the gyms were going to be, like, widely available. But it was around New Year's time, so we were mostly closed a week before and a week after. Yeah. So we ended up trying to take pretty much a month off. That sucked. Like, I came back and I had to prep for the U.S. Open that was in April that year. Yeah. And I just couldn't get back into it, like, fast enough. You know, my strength really, really suffered. Yeah. So I guess it depends the, how long. That prep was double as long. Yeah, that prep was 16 weeks long, and I still sucked. Like, I needed a lot more time to to be able to ramp things up in a, in a way that made a little bit more sense. So when you that's were... your question? Yeah, yeah, sort of. Yeah, so uh, one thing I was going to ask you right there, that's interesting that in Japan they didn't have a lot of gyms, I guess. Um. So, well, gyms were like $60 to drop in or something crazy like that. Like, for example, <laughs> an fitness type gym, it's like $60 to drop in. CrossFit gym for 40 or 50 to drop in. And they weren't widely available. At, we didn't stay in Tokyo the entire time. Like, yeah. we went to smaller smaller towns I guess yeah. in, in Japan that were even harder to find yeah. like, like so, you know at the end it was just like you know we came we're in freaking Japan like yeah. are we gonna, are we gonna spend four hours of our day training every day or are we gonna try to enjoy the fact that we're in a completely different yeah different side of the world so no, this it's is just true onto that it's too bad you know, you can't walk in and be like, hey, hey, come on, man. You don't have Instagram? You know who I am? <laughs> Six years? You know, I'm going to do you a favor. I'll work out here for free, and I'll let everybody know I'm here. We'll call it even. They didn't even allow cameras. Like, that was one of what the problems. What the sugar is that all about? Wow. No cameras. There's a better one. No tattoos. Okay, so if you have a tattoo that's bigger than... And you can't pull sumo. Then you can't pull sumo. You can't. Yeah, it's Japan. <laughs> Japan likes sumo. You have to pull sumo. <laughs> No, they, so it, the policy is no tattoos bigger than 30 than 30 because they have a lot of issues with gangs. So ah. Hayden, he has a tattoo here on his arm and his bicep. Yeah. And obviously Hayden's like such a nice Canadian when they ask if they, he has any tattoos, he goes, yeah. I'm like, what the fuck? Just like, no. 
Yeah, just say no. Get your shirt off. Wear long sleeves. He's, he's like, I can't lie. I'm Canadian. You don't understand. You can't lie. You're just not. He's like, I'm not from Venezuela. We don't do this. <laughs> we always are doing things illegally. So <laughs> <laughs> wow, was that? Wow, I didn't so know they that. Measured, they measured his tattoo with a ruler, and it, it was smaller than whatever. But he, they still made him wrap it with like. No kidding. So is Japan, I had no idea Japan had that kind of a gang problem. Yeah, I mean either. I don't know how big of a problem it really is, but yeah, that's like a, a policy. In, in and, and I tell you what, how amazing would it be to watch a gang fight in Japan? That'd be like a fucking that's action movie, right? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that'd be worth the 40 bucks. Be, I'd pay the admission. What is it, $60? Okay, I'm in. I'm in. Me and my man's here. Wowzers. So you keep, so usually a, a meat prep then around eight weeks if you've been training hard and looking at do you phase it in terms of like a volume phase where your sets are more like eights tens um, and then kind of taper it in into into because you do a lot of maybe it's just for the gram but a lot of, we see a lot of singles and some heavy you know some heavy doubles and triples and that's the stuff that gets everybody all rallied up on the on the Instagram. You know, I well, I rarely do. I rarely do any any singles. It's mostly fives, fours, and threes. Rarely ever. Really? You know, okay. Yeah, rarely ever singles. Maybe I maxed out. I maxed out deadlift a couple times just because I was in front of a in front of a uh, crowd. But yeah, when you're doing seminars, you exactly. Gave, you gave people like, what they wanted. They yeah, want the yolo. I just save it for the platform. Yeah. But yeah, so something I really I wanted to touch on before we change subjects was. Um, Kind of like, you know, when people, when people take, they deload the week yeah. before the meet, and then they also take time off the week after the meet, and yeah. they kind of have, have this thought or this mindset of, like, time being infinite, and they have all this time, but dude, the clock is freaking ticking. Every day that goes by, you're a day older, and every three weeks that you take off, it's three weeks you don't have back, and it's three weeks that are less, that yeah. you'll have less to prep for your next meet. I, like, I don't think people really conceptualize this yeah you know and for me it's like every day i'm not in the gym training and it doesn't have to be peaking or lifting heavy but any day i'm not in the gym trying to get better it's a day that i'm not gonna get back and that's kind of like my mindset when it comes to taking time off etc yeah. so that's why i say like people people who take a lot of time off and deload spend so you know you compete three times a year and you're taking the week off the deload the week in two weeks after that's how yeah. many how many weeks is that that's three times three that's nine yeah that's a lot. What's nine? I know it's fifty-six. What percentage is that? Percentage is that? Whatever. It's a big percentage too. What yeah. the fuck? You, you're throwing your boyfriend on the on the on the spot here, but he's like, oh, "Come on, man." But, <laughs> but uh, I know what you mean, and that kind of makes sense. How you go like within two years, make so much ground because you don't take no time off. You don't take okay. like you just hunt down goals. So how, when you're in when you're in your training, because um, some of your some of your lifts and training like there's it's always smooth. It's never like, you know, you never have some YOLO lifts, but do you have, do you walk into the gym completely, uh, well, let you... Do you walk into the gym for training, um, totally like, I'm going to eat whatever the day gives me in terms of food, or I'm going to, like, not in terms of food, literally, but I'm going to take whatever's there on the bar that day for training, or do you walk in there with numbers being like, for this triple, you know, or for this four, this five, this is the weight I kind of want because last week I did this and I feel like ramping up. Because for a lot of people, 
we get romantically attached and emotionally attached to numbers and we feel, well, this week, you know, I lifted this much, next week a little bit more, next week, and you almost pre have it in your mind, I have to load the bar with a certain weight and you get rattled if it's not there. How do you handle that? Okay, so yeah, definitely there's a fine line and I, I've I've spoken about this on previous occasions and the concept of auto-regulation mm -hmm. and taking responsibility for your training. So basically, it comes down to this. They're, the only way to keep progressing and upping the weight is putting more weight on the bar. Mm -hmm. Weekly or bi-weekly or monthly. I don't care how you do it. But like, if you want to get stronger, you have to eventually start putting more weight on the bar, right? So you have that decision to make, right? Like last week I lifted this much, this week I could probably try to lift this much or yeah. things like that, right? Yeah. But then it, it also comes down to, all right, like what happened this week in my in my life, right? Did, uh, did I have a good week in terms of uh, sleep, in terms of um, in relationships, emotionally, did I, like, how am I feeling, like, am, is this a realistic goal for me this week, given the fact that I'm in the middle of finals, or yeah. given the fact that my, my dog is sick, or my my bird passed away, I don't yeah. know, okay. yeah, yeah. so definitely a fine line between, between setting goals that are realistic week by week, and also being able to have the mental strength to push yourself when you have to push yourself, like, there's been weeks where I make zero progress at the same squat. Like, I literally, I'm doing the same weight for, for five triples, for singles. Like, it's just not going anywhere. Like, it's just kind of like that mental barrier. And it just comes down to that one day when I'm like, all right, I need to get past this 140-kilo squat, whether I want it or not. It's going to be ugly. It's going to hurt. It's going to be a grind. Really? But I'm going to put 145 pounds, uh, 145 kilos on the bar, and I'm just going to do it. Like, no yeah, yeah. whether it Kind of thing. And so it's combination. Yeah, I mean, I, I totally get it. So sometimes, because it's true, where sometimes if you load that bar and it's fight or flight kicks in, and literally the fight or flight, you get that little bolt of anxiety, like, holy shit. And you're like, you know, when you walk in there, I got to bring 100. I can't, there's, it's it. You, you force yourself in that corner. Do you, have you ever, though, in, in your situation, um, walked in there and been like, I could force this, but I might be taking a little too much out of myself? Like, do you have to pace yourself and possibly. Because you might peak in the gym as opposed to the platform, or how do you approach yeah. that? Have you felt that yet? Yeah, no, I'm not. No, I'm not ever worried about that. Like, I, I feel like I know my body pretty well by now that I know kind of how much time I need to recover from from a maximum or a attempt lift. So I'm yeah. not really worried about that. About peaking on the platform or anything like that. Yeah, and who does your coaching, by the way? Hayden helps me a lot. So Hayden kind of like oversees everything. He's there every day for emotional support. But I've been I've been writing my own program uh, on top of like what I follow from hybrid. So I take the hybrid for, uh, powerlifting template and I kind of modify it around what I feel like I need to do. Okay, okay. So, so for that, I was reading um, uh, an interview with you um, previously, and you had mentioned like. Yeah, like if, let's say you get a little banged up, your back's hurting, you might do something like, now I'm pulling from blocks. Now I'm right. doing, yeah, and that's where you just kind of make those judgment calls to introduce uh, to kind of accommodate. Right, exactly. I mean, I feel like so many people are like um, married to their program in an unhealthy way. Like they, they put so much kind of uh, pressure on themselves to follow exactly what the program says in terms of percentages and exercises 
that they forget to, to, to be in tune with their, with their own body and how they're feeling and what they need to do. Yeah. And even if, even if my coach was freaking Ed Cohen, he yeah. doesn't know how I'm feeling every set. He doesn't yeah. know exactly what I need, like if my back feels tight in a full deadlift. If my, he doesn't know. Like Those are all things that I should be paying attention to and that I should educate myself enough to make the necessary adjustments to a plan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. And when you make these judgment calls, like, do you ever do stuff like introduce pause squats or, or uh, board presses or in certain variations like that? Or are you basically, do you like the full range of motion lifts? Or? No, 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 definitely. I do a lot of box squatting. I, we have kind of every specialty bar that you could dream about. You're probably in the camera. Oh. <laughs> yeah, we do duckful of bars, we do cambered bars, we do safety bars, we do chains, mm -hmm. we do bands. You know, sometimes, sometimes I don't even want to know what my squat is like, like on a few weeks when I'm just feeling so terrible. So I'm like, I don't even want to try that to do a regular squat. So I'm going to do an above parallel box squat with, with chains on one side. Kind yeah. of like, <laughs> oh, where you are. With chains <laughs> on one side. And a thorn in my other side. And then we can just... <laughs> no kidding, yeah. Blindfold yourself and you're like, heck yeah. Blindfold. And he didn't throw salt in my eyes as I entered the gym, and we kind of figure it out from there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because the, the mental aspect is like is as important as physically what you're doing. You know, feeling feeling confident in the gym, what you're doing. Sometimes if you're if you're tired and your training's not going well, and you still keep doing the same things, you get really demoralized. Yeah. So not necessary. So sometimes switching it up just to keep things creative and spicy is how you keep things interesting as well. Exactly. So what are some of your future goals looking ahead? Because um, the next meet then you said is the U.S. Open? So I have a small meet coming up in, Hayden, when is Battle of the Bay? February? Yeah, in February there's a meet called Battle of the Bay that we're going to do as a team. So I'm just going to participate in that. And nothing, I mean, I'm, I don't think I'll modify my training much leading into it. I just can't, I'm just going to kind of cruise through it. I'm not even going to cut weight or anything like that. I usually sit around 126. 127, which is perfect because I actually want to break the world record in the 132 class deadlift, which is 495. Oh, so, wow. Okay, nothing. so yeah. That would be a perfect opportunity. And for you, because you got 24-hour weigh-ins, do you cut water to make um, your weight class then, or do you just diet down into, do you not like cutting water? No, I, I honestly just uh, stop eating like 14 hours before, and I'm usually fine. So wow, I'll that doesn't sound yeah. strength? You don't find her? No, 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 not at all. Just 14 hours before weigh-ins. And then if it's a 24-hour weigh-in, then I'll eat whatever I need to eat. And then it's I guess, yeah, with 24 hours, yeah. that'd be easy enough. Right. Yeah. Does, so do any of your athletes cut water? Or do you guys just not believe in water cutting then? Oh, yeah, no. Several of our athletes cut water. It's okay. it's a it's a great way. I feel like you you, you know you don't need to walk at the at your competition weight. It, it, it definitely helps to be training a little bit over it and and have a little bit more flexibility with what you're eating, and maybe have a higher uh, caloric intake. Yes. If we can cut maybe four or five, six, up to ten pounds in the sauna, that'd be great. Mm -hmm. It's just, I feel like you just need to know, you just need to be prepared and know how much, how much do you lose per like 10, 20 minutes in the sauna, so you can be prepared. For example, I can drop. I had an interesting conversation. Do you know who Stacia Almahony is? She's a 105-pound lifter. Um, she's from Feed Me, Fight Me. No, 50 Barbell. Whatever. 
Uh, she competes. She competes in all these high level meets too. But yeah. so I was talking to her, and for me, when I when I get into the sauna, it takes me about 20, 15, 20 minutes to drop one pound, which yeah. is really fast for for someone as lean as I am and yeah. as small. Yeah. It takes true. her yeah. in twenty minutes. She drops. What did she say? Zero point three. Zero point two every twenty minutes. Do you That's nothing. Like, she'd be I in there forever. Yeah, she'd be in there forever. I um, the the worst I ever did a weight cut. I think it was like it was silly. I just wanted to see how big I could cut. It was like sixteen pounds. It looked like I got in a fist fight. Like like it looked like I had worked out in the gym in Japan. Apparently, two black guys. It was brutal. I felt terrible. So I think everybody at a certain point. You kind of test those limits. This was like a 20, I usually lift in the IPF where it's two hour. This is one time I wasn't, and it was a 24 hour weigh-in, so I just thought, hey, shit, let's see how much I could water cut and how small I could get. And there was definitely a point of, you know, it's not gonna help. It's starting to get a little too far. So I guess you kind of got to work that out on your own end of things. Uh, do you have like a water cutting protocol that you guys follow, or is it just kind of up to the lifter? Because some people have like, I, all scientific. I, yeah, no, I personally haven't, I don't have any experience with like any specific uh, water cutting protocols just because even when I competed in weightlifting, I was always very close to my to my weight. When I did weightlifting, I was around 120. I've mm-hmm. gained five pounds, I would say, in the last five years. Yeah, yeah. Really not significant, but yeah, I, I just always walk around very close to my weight, so I haven't needed to do anything. So with all this weightlifting, you've really stuck around, hung around your body, staying around the same body weight? Yeah. And you don't really, besides jumping up for that record, you're probably going to stay in the same weight class for the foreseeable future? Yeah, for for now at least. I, I really want to do a competition as a 114. Mm-hmm. I thought I was going to do the, the US Open as a 114 just to go for that big Wilkes. Yeah. But looking like if I hit my projected numbers as a 123, I'll probably have the highest Wilkes. Wilkes. Yeah, see, the big thing is, and I don't know what the cash payouts for this U.S. Open, but holy freaking smokes. What is it? Is it, what was it, a 40 G's 40, U.S.? Think, yeah. Yeah, smokes? yeah. Like, that's, yeah, I mean, that's a reason to hop up watch those <laughs> macros. That's a reason. I, uh, <laughs> this year, Mariana Gasparian won it with a 620. Wilkes? Was it 620? Six. Lower, probably lower than 620. But so with my projected numbers right now in the 123 class, I think I can get close to 625 Wilkes. Wow. So here's a question for you. With 40,000 US on the line, are you, who's going to handle you? Hayden. See, this is what I'm saying. I, I, like seriously, if my girlfriend's got $40,000 on the line and she's like, I don't even want to know what's on the bar, just pick a weight. I'm like, holy shit, man. Like if you, there's such a lot of pressure, right? On the flip side, at the very least, it's your boyfriend. You guys win it. I mean, you guys live together and everything, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so he's in, you know, you lose it together, you win it together. But if I was just like a friend or if I was just a coach and I was with somebody and they're like, you're handling me. I'm like, with 40K on the line, there's almost yeah. like a caddy fee like a golfer. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's a lot of dough. $40,000. Like, Hayden's going to be up all night before that. <laughs> Holy smokes. <laughs> For sure. Gonna... At the same time we do it, it's definitely a team effort. Um, yeah. I'm very, it's most of the time, I would say 90% of the time coming into meets, I'm very, very confident. Okay. In, so it's not like, like, I know exactly what I'm going to do. I know exactly how I'm going to jump from weight to weight, and I know exactly what's going to go down. Okay. 
So at least he's following, unless something weird happens, it's all mapped out. Weird or something weird happened the night before or the week before, something like that. But Yeah, and with the U.S. Open, because you're in a lighter weight class, is that the only disadvantage would be is the other girls coming after you will know what they have to hit to try to beat your Wilkes, right? So they might have some YOLO deads. And you look dead so heavy, you're like, hey, sweetheart, God bless. Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm from Venezuela, baby. You don't want to get gangster with me. <laughs> God bless, right? <laughs> so what are your projected numbers then? Just because everyone's going to be guessing what it'll be, I'm sure. Uh, what, do you, what do you, not to put too much pressure on you, if you want to hold those cards close to the chest, you go ahead. But do you have goals, you think, for the U.S. Open? Yeah, I mean... <clears throat> It's still, we're six months away from that competition. It literally, anything can happen, good or bad. But yeah. if things keep progressing the way they're, that they're progressing, I don't see why I couldn't be able to hit more than 190 kilo squat, maybe 195. If I surprise myself, oh, wait, it's wrapped. So I'll probably be able to keep it with 200. Ooh, oh, that's a 440 score. That's what I was going to yeah, ask you. She was going to go sleeved or wrapped. Jesus. I stuck I with wraps, though. Like, I'm not, I don't wrap them like, I wrap them like weightlifters. Ah, that's like, super I tight. I wrap myself, kind of thing. Oh, you do? Hayden doesn't yeah. wrap. No, I just, I don't, I just don't like the feeling of it being so tight. Like, you make my throw up almost. It is. So, do you think, like, that's something you're going is, is that something you're going to work on leading into this? So here's the thing. I, there's a couple guys. Like, for instance, we had John Hack on, and he had, coming from the IPF, never used wraps. And we're like, you're going to use wraps? He's like, for 40K? Uh, yeah, I'm going to work it out. I'm going to figure it out. I mean. Yeah, for sure. I'll be... Okay, so last time I prepped for the U.S. Open, I was wearing my wraps for every training session. Yeah. And I almost feel, like, mentally it made me weaker. Like, I didn't even know what I could hit with sleeves, and I was so apprehensive and scared to squat heavy with sleeves afterward. Yeah. That this time I'm going to do it a little bit different. I'm probably going to half and half it, like, do some sessions with wraps, some sessions with sleeves, or, or work on overloading my squat with wraps, kind of, like, at the end of the session, or something like that. But, yeah, yeah you know, I'm that, definitely going to work on it that, more. That definitely it. makes sense, because if you had... You know, as if you're used to sleeves, and that's kind of your barometer where you think your strength's at, you're throwing in a, uh, a variable like wraps, you're like, I'm not entirely sure where I'm at because I'm used to my numbers with sleeves. I think I'm strong, but I don't know if I should be stronger if I'm pacing well. Right. So like you're saying, yeah, like maybe keeping that benchmark every now and yeah. then, we're okay, I'm on pace. Well, and then the different pressure the different pressure of the wrap each time too, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, awful. Yeah, like I know I have like an opener wrap, where I like, that'll be the opener, and then as I move, it gets a little tighter, a little tighter. I, I, and then by the third, you don't even feel your feet. You gotta have a wrapper. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. for sure need a wrapper. No kidding. Yeah. Is there it's, any... a skill. it's definitely a skill that you need to develop to be able to use wraps properly. Yeah, using equipment 100%. There are some people who, um, they've gone over for wraps and they gave them nothing. Yeah. And they have to end up lifting without wraps, and if you can well, yeah, even sure. the different the different styles of wraps too, right? Like yeah. coming from weightlifting, you probably would prefer a wrap that had more bounce to it, more rebound than casting in stiffness, mm. just but because yes, that's absolutely. your pattern, right? I like the soft, yeah, kind of soft cloth one, not yeah. the yeah. one that feel like are made of rubber. Yeah. Who did, is there a brand you would like just to throw these guys some love? Yeah. Uh, I used to love the kilos not pounds wraps, which is now owned by Meg Squats actually, and it's oh. called Strong Strong Supplies. Oh well, there, there you go, go everybody. That's oh. the wrap for Steffi Cohen. 
Now, again, is there anybody in your weight class that's on your heels at all? I feel like you throw such a huge shadow on everybody. It's got to be really tough to be in your weight class. Is there anybody uh, nipping at your heels? Is there? Hayden? <laughs> no. I'm Do you kidding. search? Do you look? Are you on Instagram checking people out? Uh, you know what? Not really. No? You're not <laughs> confident. Unless, shit. unless someone gets really, really, really close. So for the longest time. Do you know who Kelsey Horton is? Yes. Oh, yes. We, we, I, we thought she was a, I thought she was in my weight class. For oh, Jesus. And I was like, oh, shit. I'm sorry. <laughs> Like, turn it off. Yeah? For sure. I mean, it's, it's, I never thought that that's kind of 
the wow was the progression that that this was gonna this is the way that it was gonna be never 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 thought you know I Hayden said I did I mean I remember asking him the first time I deadlifted 300 I'm like do you ever think that in my lifetime I'll be able to deadlift 400 and he's like yeah for sure and I'm like no way and then I deadlifted 400 and then I said do you think ever in my lifetime I would be able to deadlift 500 and he said yeah for sure you'll be doing that by the end of the year and I said no way like at least a few years yeah yeah and now I ask him if he thinks I can deadlift 600 and what do you but say what do you think Definitely. Yeah, of course. What do you, what, in terms of 600, do you have any, do you lay down at night and tell yourself, 2020, 2019, do you, what are you thinking? Um, man, I just, I have no idea at this point. Isn't um, it exciting? Would you ever think about doing like a deadlift only? Like, maybe not right away, but like the deadlift only would be, if you walk in there totally fresh, and you're just like, all I'm doing is deadlifting right here. You know, in a year, two years time, I mean, you're 25. Some girls don't even peak until they're 30. You know, right. you, 600 pounds in your lifetime definitely isn't off the table. It's just more or less when do you think you'd be comfortable doing. You just got to keep itching away, getting closer and closer. Exactly. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. Yeah. Like, I'm going to happen. When, I'm not sure. Like, if I keep progressing this way, maybe by the end of 2018. Yeah. You know, like, I put on 125 pounds to my deadlift in a year. Yeah. Yeah, that's insane. <laughs> so, that's a great, especially, you know, at your body size, in terms of, like, how many times body yeah. weight you're lifting, you're in the four-time body weight. It's insane. Yeah. Do you ever feel like sometimes it's a lot of pressure to live up to because the hype around you is so crazy? Or are you just, like, a Ronda Rousey going in there like, I got to live in the moment, take every opportunity I can? Um, sometimes, sometimes it becomes a little bit of pressure, especially. But, you know, it's, it's a pressure that I, I put on myself, like, by hyping people up. Like, I make these comments, and I'm like, fuck it, I'm going to fucking crush it. And then I'm like, why did I fucking say that? Yeah, I should just <laughs> I'm like, definitely not saying that. Because now if I don't do it, everyone's going to just, you know, all the Reddit threads are going to go insane. But, yeah, on the, on the flip side, I think it says more about people who can't wait till someone tries, fails, and then you jump in and see, I told you. It says Immediate, a lot more about them. They're right there waiting for you to... To fuck up. Exactly. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter what you would do, right? It doesn't matter. And the, honestly, the sport needs somebody who walks in there confident. If everyone's like, well, I don't know, let's see what happens. If everybody was like that, how vanilla would everything be? You need all yeah, these different exactly. flavors. You know? Exactly. You gotta come in there representing Venezuela with a little flavor in there. Exactly. Like, <laughs> Bitch, I'm, come, I'm from Venezuela. I'm gonna hit that six hundred. Five percent, you know. That's right. Homies from Venezuela. That's right. Yeah, we don't have a lot of viewership there, but it'll be growing with you, I'm sure. Um, there's a question you like to ask, right? Oh, before we get going. Yeah. All right. So, top three things for beginning lifters. Put them in order for me. Technique. Top top three. I got three for you. You put them in order. So, technique, intensity, program. You pick and choose where they go. What you thinking? Intensity, programming. Well, it's a definitely a hard one. Yeah, because you're intense as hell. Your technique is bang on too, though. Mm -hmm. And then you, you you do programming, so you you also want to sell. I would say technique, programming, intensity. You always yeah, it's always see, technique. See, it's always technique. especially with you know people that have great sumo lifts. If the technique's not there, it ain't happening. One bottom line, right? Yes, yeah, sumo and bench are really, really, really technical mm -hmm. lifts. If you misprove a bench, oh yeah, you misprove a bench, like you said, you're done. Yeah. You're 
And especially coming from weightlifting background, and your technique is going to be up there too, because yeah. that shit's hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah it doesn't matter how strong you are if your if your technique is not is not good, then you're probably you're gonna suck. You're leaving so much money on the table yeah. in terms of what you could be doing. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, one one question I always like to ask is um, when all is said and done, and I know you're two years deep, and God knows the future for you is bright. Who knows where you're gonna end up? But when all is said and done, okay, you know you're talking about like Ed Cohen. You know, the Dan Greens of the world and all these other girls that you look up to. How do you want people to look back and see you when they think of Steffi Cohen? As, you know, someone who, who positively influenced them in both inside and outside of the gym. You know, not someone who just posted, you know, my, my PRs or whatever. Who, who shared struggles and who shared uh, a little bit more in-depth of my experience with powerlifting. Good enough answer for me. All right. Well, listen. Thanks for sitting in with this champ. Love to have you back. You're a hell of a. You're a good personality and everything. And, and good luck with training. Thank you so much, guys. Thanks for having me. No problem. Right. Have a good one. Bye, guys. Night. It was a good one, Yeah. I, I I knew like she's got a little that southern yeah yeah Latin you're flavor right. to her, yeah. man. She's feisty. I didn't know it was two years though. That's uh, the amount of people. That's what I said. Remember, like, it's that CrossFit. Thank you very much. It's funny because you said that last night. Yeah. In the when we're working out, I'm like, CrossFit's doing it. Thank you, like, CrossFit, for being too damn complicated. <laughs> yeah. Somebody with a full time job can't do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And if Steffi Cohen, who's a freak, gen, like, some people are like, well, if you're a freak athlete, maybe yeah. you could take off. Steffi Cohen is the biggest freak athlete you're going to find. Yeah. Okay, if she's like. Like, that's the top of your genetic pool yeah, yes, when we were talking about genetic for yeah. you. Yeah. Like, you know, it's that thing, right? Where we're going to bring in all those genetic people that are just next level yeah. that can focus on this sport now. And, and, and the one thing with like CrossFit too, I mean, I don't want to turn this into a shit kick in a CrossFit, but what the hell we got to make? <laughs> um, yeah, like I need, I need something that I could barometer like everything else too that I know about. Like I don't know, who should do the thousand burpees? Well, I don't know, is that fucking good or whatever, yeah. right? This is a little different. But two years... Two years and this two, is it. Two you know, years I, like, and four-time bodyweight deadlift. I know people with two years in the game, you just start getting your feet wet. Yeah. You know what I mean? Two years and now she's like, I, I've, I've seen her schedule. You know, in terms of flying around doing seminars, oh, yeah. in terms she's of old. the type of podcast. If you Google Steffi Cohen, in terms of like what you're going to find with all the different interviews, in two years in the game, man, yeah. how does she not lay down at night when yeah. she's about to go for $40,000 yeah. US? Well, and, and I'll be like, holy shit. And there's like giants around who've been competing for a decade. Yeah, that's crazy. Well, and eight weeks into a PhD final and everything, you know, like oh, I'm just gonna go lift and rebound. I didn't know, I didn't and know that. I'm gonna do my. In her whole background, with like yeah. maybe maybe this whole, you know, growing up or like all these changes that she's used to from Venezuela, like Scientology to <laughs> breaking from a Venezuelan dictator to you know the U.S. All these quick changes she's used to. Yeah, she's been acclimatized in a, in a respect, right? Yeah, everything, but of, and everything happens in her life like that. Yeah. Like everything's just like boom, 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 boom. This is normal. Dude, I'll tell you what, when she like when like we had the last question we asked, when you sit back and look at yourself in your career, yeah. When she does sit back and look at her career, if she ever bites of her fucking story, she'll have some <laughs> yeah. stories to tell. Oh, yeah, yeah. God knows if she pulls six hundred, like I hope she pulls six hundred. Yeah. I, I wasn't lying when I said like she feels like the Conor McGregor of our sport kind yeah. of where people are just I mean it in terms of like obviously McGregor's massive, but I mean it in terms of she gets people excited. Man, woman, it crosses over. Man, yeah. strength. People are just like, look, and I'm a guy who's twice her size in real life, but I am like a 
can't believe what she's doing, and yeah. I can't I can't wait to see what her next pull is, right? Yeah. And it opens up like is a woman 120 pounds capable of deadlifting 600 pounds. Well, and the thing that she's like, well, I've only put on five pounds in the past however many years. Yeah. So your strength has gone up yeah. exponentially yeah. that much, yeah. and you've only put on five pounds. And, and, and you know, so when people are like, well, I gotta gain weight to get stronger. Yeah. Well, I don't know. It all <laughs> you know, and she checks her macros. Yeah, you know, maybe at some point if she ups her macros, like fuck it, we're gonna go on more bodybuilding. I'm gonna yeah. some more muscle mass. Who knows what she's getting? Well, and up. I think that's become a big thing in body powerlifting now too. Is you know, like she said, the athletic side of it. You know, mm. you gotta fuel your body with the right things to your body yeah. to perform. And I think that's becoming more prominent because you're seeing these jacked up, like yeah. shredded powerlifters. Actually, yeah, like you don't have room. Yeah, like, it's refreshing. She's like, I want to be an athlete. Yeah. You know, and, and, and it helps my training and cycling off. If you're just killing yourself, you need to have an off season. Yeah. Keep that in mind. Off season. <laughs> yeah. Well, and off like season. that guy she's going, like that real world tactical guy she's yeah. going to see. He, I don't know. You've probably seen videos. He's like flipping tires, pulling trucks at the same okay. time and getting judo kicked and all this other yeah, stuff. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's insane. Like yeah. that's taking CrossFit times, strongman times, whatever. Yeah, like, yeah, he's yeah. doing it all. It's pretty insane. Yeah. I don't really know what to call it as far as training wise goes, but the guy's strong. I've, I think he yeah. pulls over six, no problem. And, yeah. You know. So it feels like, yeah, I, I totally understand what she's saying too in terms of not only just for your body to have an off season, but mentally. Yeah. You could gas out. Oh, yeah. If you're doing the same thing monotonous yeah. wise, you need the same kind of intensity, especially when you're bringing the PRs that she brings week after week. Yeah, well, that's, yeah. We repost the shit out of her. Because we're all, if I'm looking, in terms of like reposting, I'm yeah. like, I can't find nobody. Nobody's doing nothing. I'm like, let's see what Steffi Cohen's doing. <laughs> yeah. If everyone's like, everyone seemed to have a fucking deload week, Steffi Cohen's killing it. Yeah. Steffi Cohen's doing something crazy. Or she's got some like, just a selfie looking all jacked. Whatever. You yeah. post it, right? Yeah. But anyways, good interview, guys. Listen, at 6 o'clock, we got Nick Best. If you don't know who Nick Best is, again, you must be living in a, a freaking cave. Yeah, Dude under is, a um, world changed. Two-time uh, USAPL champ. This is back in the 90s. This guy's been around forever. 50 years old. Eight-time um, World Strongman finalist. Eight-time World Strongman finalist. The guy's a complete beast. 50 years old. Still killing it. Make sure you come back. You want to talk about longevity. Yeah. And murdering it. I mean, he's in a sport where guys, it's like WWE, where guys die at, in their 30s. Yeah. Right? It's, it's brutal. Well, and just and setting it, world records in the three-way class for Masters Powerlifting this he's year. He's still killing it. Like, he's, yeah. And he's a beast. And we'll talk about... His rivals, what he thinks about all the big names, from Brian Shaw to Zdrun Savikas yep. to Mirish Pusanowski to Derek Parasol, the guys face them all. Okay, so make sure you come back at 6 o'clock. And this is also going to be reposted on our YouTube link, which is in our bio. So if you guys want to watch it again, you missed something. I know the angle of the, the phone isn't the greatest, mm -hmm. but we got a camera recording and it's a lot better. Thanks for checking it out, guys. Talk to you soon. Guys, the one thing comment I seen on her, they're like, we can't see her. She's washed out, like, on the screen. And I was looking at the phone, and, like, you can't really see her on the screen. But you'll be able to see her on camera. Yeah. So, whatever. Fuck her. It's funny, because right when uh, some guy asked a question about bulking and one cutting and... One second. Okay, now we done. Yeah, one guy asked about uh, bulking and cutting. And yeah. literally, like, 20 seconds later, she started talking about bulking and cutting as if, like... We telepathically told her to. So we got to try to not have a washed out. Well, that was the only thing that we could really like. Well, uh, if you come around, you could fill it with a little. I think. Well, and that's like if just come around. It's this just kind of here, yeah. like yeah. where she comes up is right in the middle of that screen, right? So, Ooh, yeah, if we go in a bit, maybe. 
Because I just had to start it over because it like only plays an hour at a time, right? Oh, does it? So that's why I went in and I tried to fucking you, flip it to start it over. Because I've seen it cut out and I'm like, fuck, how much are we missing? So I shared the first one. So that'll play for 24 hours. Yeah. And then if you probably just shared that one or whatever. Do we do? I don't know. How do you share? Know. Did we turn this off yet? And we're still recording? <laughs>